In a ruling that probably surprised Donald Trump as much as it surprised me this week, the Trump appointed judge overseeing his documents trial, Judge Eileen Cannon, actually ruled against Donald Trump's request to be able to take classified information that is evidence in the trial back to his home at Mar-a-Lago. Judge Cannon said, no, no, you can't do that. You have to do it in a secure facility because again, a lot of this evidence against you is actually classified information. That's huge. And that's not even the end of it, but let's just talk about that part for just a moment. Trump of course had filed a request a couple weeks ago, actually asking judge Cannon, like, Hey judge, I'm a busy guy, right? I'm crisscrossing the country. I'm running for president. I got a business I got to take care of. I got a lot of things to do. I can't be expected as the prosecutors say, I have to, to go to a secure facility to look at the evidence against me. No, no, no. I should be able to, you know, take it home with me and bring it back to Mar-a-Lago where I had already tried to hide it from, from investigators. So just let me take it back so I can look at it at home. And again, in a shocking ruling, the judge said no. And then the judge went further. She added this to her ruling. The limitations on disclosure of classified information set forth in this order are binding on defendant and his counsel and violations may result in criminal and or civil penalties. So not only is she saying, no, you can't take it home, but she is firing the shot across the bow, letting him know that, Hey, by the way, if you violate this order, I'll hit you with criminal penalties. It, it, it is this a new judge cannon? Is this suddenly not the same judge who already tried to rig everything in Donald Trump's favor? Don't get your hopes up on that. See what this is is it's really just a symbolic victory for the prosecution. I mean, after all, the prosecution had already, you know, basically said, because this is classified information, prosecution being the DOJ, uh, we can only have him view it in a secure facility. So Trump technically doesn't lose anything because it just means that the rule that was already in place stays in place. And this could be a way of judge Cannon just basically throwing prosecutors a bone and possibly trying to be like, see, I'm not totally biased in favor of Trump. I did something that Trump didn't like. I denied one of his requests. So look at me being impartial. And to be honest, I think that's probably the most likely scenario here. I don't think judge Cannon has turned over a new leaf. I don't think she has suddenly learned how to handle a criminal trial after only doing them for 14 days out of her entire career. I don't think any of that's true. I think this is basically a facade. This is just a, okay, this victory doesn't matter, but it does make it look like I'm not totally in the tank for Trump. So I'm going to do it. So here you go. Prosecutors. It's important now to pay even more attention to judge Cannon, the filings that she sees and the rulings, because I wouldn't be surprised if after handing this tiny defeat to Donald Trump, she turns around in a week or two and tries to hand him a pretty big victory. Keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. 
Sydney Powell is trying out a new legal defense in the state of Georgia as she attempts to get the charges against her completely dismissed. And this week, Sydney Powell went into court, filed a motion that basically says, yeah, I did the things that you're accusing me of, the, the things I've been criminally charged for, but, but I was allowed to do it. In fact, she said she was quote, authorized to do the things that she was arrested for. I, I, I don't know. Um, no, I'll read you part of her filing in just a moment, but think about this for a second. And this is what's funny about all of these Trump co-defendants in Georgia and Trump himself. None of them are denying that they did the things, right? Like that should be step one in your criminal defense. Like I didn't do this. I didn't break the law, but instead they already know they can't try to claim that. So they have all immediately gone to the, yeah, I did it, but it's totally cool that I did it. Right? Like I'm, I'm allowed to break the law. Like they've immediately just gone to admitting it, but I'm okay. Like it's okay if I do it. <laughs> Here's what the filing says. As the state well knows, Coffee County officials authorized Sullivan Strickler LLC to image the voting systems in the county on January 7th, 2021. Both the election supervisor for the county and the board authorized the review. In fact, the election supervisor sent an invitation to another lawyer who was not working with Ms. Powell to have the forensic imaging done. This means that no data was stolen, there was no fraud, and nothing was done without authorization. So they're saying you got to drop the charges because they told us we could come in and do this. Now here's the problem with this line of defense. And I'm going to go back to the common analogy that I use of a person robbing the bank. Okay, here it is. Let's assume you want to go in and rob the bank and the president of the bank, the CEO of the bank, whatever it is, the top guy in charge of the bank says, you know what? You can rob my bank. I don't care. Rob us. Like you, you have my permission to rob the bank. So you're like, Oh, sweet. You go in with your big sack with the dollar sign on it. You fill it up with money and you go outside. The cops are still waiting for you. Why? Because it doesn't matter that you had permission to rob the bank. You still robbed the bank. That permission will mean nothing in court because it's still a crime to do the thing and no one is authorized anywhere in this country, in any position, at any place, public or private, no one is authorized to authorize you to break the law. You see how that works? So it doesn't matter if you had permission and from whom. And by the way, this is the first I've ever heard about her having permission to do that. You would think that would actually be something she would have brought up, you know, during depositions or during testimony in front of the grand jury. And if she did in fact have permission and that was verifiable, they likely wouldn't have charged her with this. But here's the problem. Do you know who's in charge of all the elections in the state of Georgia? 
including, you know, basically recount efforts, things like that, forensics, that would be the secretary of state. So that would have been Brad Raffensperger. If you didn't have Brad Raffensperger's authorization, you're not permitted to go in there, hire an outside company on your own, send them there after hours to copy data off the voting machines. That includes sensitive private data about the voters themselves. See, so this, this defense is, is quite possibly one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. And that says a lot, especially since we're talking about Sidney Powell, that this might be one of the dumbest things we've ever heard, but this is what desperate people do. She's desperate to get out of the charges. And so she's coming up or her lawyers are coming up with the dumbest legal arguments possible, because here's the thing they're using this not necessarily as their defense, but they're trying to use it to just get all the charges dismissed. If this is true and you can prove that you did in fact have this legally binding authorization, you bring it up at trial. Like you don't just get to file your evidence and then say, Hey, okay, so you got to dismiss it. No, that's over with like that part's done. You have to go to trial and then say, okay, we're submitting this as evidence that I was authorized to pay this outside group to come over here and copy the voting machine data. Once the jury sees that they're like, Oh, okay, cool. Then I guess it's over. That's how you do this. You don't get to avoid the trial altogether. You bring up your evidence that you have at the trial. If of course this evidence exists, which again, since this is the first time we're ever hearing about it kind of makes me wonder if it's real or not. I, I know I have my opinion on it, but I can't say for certain because I haven't seen it or haven't not seen that it doesn't exist. So I guess we'll see at trial if these authorizations are real or not. Republican Senator Mitt Romney from Utah announced this week that he would not be seeking a second term, which as far as we know right now, basically means that he is retiring. He is done. He's done with politics. It's over going away for good, but he's not going away for good just yet because author McKay Coppins actually has a new book about Mitt Romney coming out. And McKay Coppins was kind enough to share a couple of those excerpts with the Atlantic this week. And in those excerpts, Mitt Romney tells him about how Donald Trump would come into the Republican caucus in the Senate and all the Republicans would cheer for him while he was there. And then as soon as he left the room, they would all laugh out loud at how stupid he is. They'd laugh at his stupid ideas. They'd laugh at the stupid things he says. They would just laugh at the general stupidity of the then president of the United States. It's a big old fun thing, right? Like <laughs> this guy's so dumb. <laughs> all right, let's go vote for every single thing that he wants us to vote for. Now, Mitt Romney is not trying to say that, oh yeah, we, we laughed at him. So ha ha ha. Mitt Romney is to his credit pointing out the two-faced nature of these Republicans, because they did exactly what I just said. Like we laugh at him behind his back, but then the second he needs something, we're the first ones to line up and say, yes, sir, master, whatever you want. Let me read you. Perhaps Romney's most surprising discovery upon entering the Senate was that his disgust with Trump was not unique among his Republican colleagues. Almost without exception, he told me, they shared my view of the president. 
In public, of course, they played their parts as Trump loyalists, often contorting themselves rhetorically to defend the president's most indefensible behavior. But in private, they ridiculed his ignorance, rolled their eyes at his antics, and made incisive observations about his warped, toddler-like psyche. Romney recalled one senior Republican senator frankly admitting, quote, he has none of the qualities you would want in a president and all of the qualities you wouldn't. One afternoon in March 2019, Trump paid a visit to the Senate Republicans' weekly caucus lunch. He was in a buoyant mood. Two days later, the Justice Department had announced that the much-anticipated report from special counsel Robert Mueller failed to establish collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia during the 2016 election. As Romney later wrote in his journal, the president was met with a standing ovation fit for a conquering hero and then launched into some rambling remarks. He talked about the so-called Russia hoax and relitigated the recent midterm elections and swung wildly from one tangent to another. He declared somewhat implausibly that the GOP would soon become the party of health care. The senators were respectful and attentive. As soon as Trump left, Romney recalled the Republican caucus burst into laughter. So there's a bit of a mouthful though there, but I like that Romney is calling these people out. And the fact that this book is about to come out, uh, is, is possibly why Romney's like, Hey, by the way, everybody, guess what? I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And I'm about to trash the hell out of you all before I leave. So I like this. I, I like this side of Mitt Romney. I, I don't like many sides of Mitt Romney at all, but, but I like this one because he's absolutely right. And I had talked about this, by the way, for years during the Trump administration over at Ring of Fire, the fact that the, cause there were reports constantly, not just with Republican senators or Republicans in the house, but his own staffers, you know, used to mock him, make fun of him. They hated working there. Republicans in the Senate and the house were mocking him and laughing at him behind his back. But when it came down to business, each and every one of these people did exactly what that lunatic wanted. They knew he was crazy. They knew he was ignorant. That's the word they used ignorant, but they still went with it anyway, because by God, team sports and tribalism is more important than having a president that is fit for the job. The only thing I regret is that Mitt Romney, of course, did not name names yet. Once he's out of the Senate at the end of next year, Maybe he'll open up a little more because I think the public deserves to know this. Hopefully he can do it before next year's election. So maybe we have the chance to vote some of these people out. Because if you think that it's more important to be loyal to a ignorant president just because he's a member of your party, then you're definitely not fit to hold office. And we need to know who these people are. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fair and balanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fair and balanced.